Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. Welcome, everyone, and thank you. Thank you for coming back to another episode of the Lead X Leadership Show, where we're going to help you to stand out and to get ahead as a leader. Now, before we dive into today's show, I need you to take one minute and go on to iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and just leave a quick rating or even 30 more seconds and leave a one-sentence review for the Lead X Show. It's the single best favor you can do for me. It helps us to build the Lead X family. Now, friends, I always talk about how much I love storytelling. I've read a million books on it. I talk about the difference being able to tell a story has made in my life. I geek out on Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey, the monomyth. Storytelling is so important when it comes to giving a speech, selling anything, persuasion. Well, today I talked to somebody who is an expert, a global expert on storytelling and branding, marketing. We talk about aspirational identity, the zero to hero story, being the guide, not the hero, and his seven steps to build your brand. Today's quote is, storytelling is the most powerful way to put ideas into the world from Robert McKee. Our guest is the CEO of StoryBrand, a company that helps businesses clarify their message so customers engage. Combined, his seven books have spent more than a year on the New York Times bestseller list. He teaches a marketing workshop down in Nashville, Tennessee, and his newest book is Building a Story Brand. Clarify your message so customers will listen. Our guest is Donald Miller. Donald, welcome to the Lead X Show. Great to be here. Now, we're going to talk about your new book in just a minute, but I've got a tradition where all of the guests get the same first question because I like failure stories. I think <laughs> failures are stepping stones. There's no win or lose, only win or learn. So I'm hoping you'll tell me like one of your best failures, one of your best mistakes. You can choose from a myriad of stories here, Kevin. You're going to have to uh, help me. <laughs> but I'll tell you one that's funny. Uh, I got on an airplane once out of Portland, Oregon, where I lived, and I was going to speak in Indianapolis, Indiana that night. And when I got on the airplane, the gentleman next to me was reading my book. Now, that had never happened to me before. I'm still waiting for that to happen to me, Donald. I'm jealous. Tell you what, I, I was really, and what do you say, right? That's my book. I don't know what to say. I, 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 you know, I was wanting to offer me to read it to him, you know, the audio book or whatever. But um, I, didn't, I didn't end up saying anything. I just said, do you like that book? And he said, oh, you know, I love this book. And he kind of hemmed and hawed a little bit and uh, talked about it. And after about five minutes, I realized it's probably too late to tell him. He didn't realize. So we, we went the whole two hour flight to Denver, uh, you know, where I had a, what was going on in Indianapolis. And he was actually flying to Indianapolis to hear me speak. And he still. Oh, no. So he figured it out when I walked on stage that night. But the failure aspect of it was the more he talked about my book, the less it made me want to buy it. I mean, he wasn't using language. He was a fan and he really loved it, but he wasn't using language that made me want to buy it. And so I realized I'm great at writing 300 pages. I'm terrible at writing the paragraph on the back of the book. I'm, I'm just not good at summarizing things. And that's how you sell things. You sell things by you know, stating something that makes people go, hey, I want to know more or I want to learn about that. Or can we get together and talk? Can I get coffee with you? Or 
can I call your office? And I was terrible at it. So that was a complete failure. And, you know, evidence of that was the conference that I was running at the time was half full. Now, I'd sold millions of books, but the conference was half full. I can only get about 350 people to come see me. Well, if you're selling a bunch of books, you got great content, but you can't, you're not, you're not a good salesman. That failure, the realization I'm terrible at this is what led me to, to figure out the framework that later became StoryBrand and it changed everything. Yeah, it just changed everything in your company. And you saw me grab a pen to start taking notes because I thought that was so interesting. Even the way you phrased it is, you know, you, you wrote a great book. He said it was a great book, but he wasn't using the language that no. would sell the person next to him on an airplane. And he said the worst thing you can say. He said, you'd have to experience it or you'd have to read him to understand. <laughs> you know, that's like, that doesn't make me want right. to buy it, right? I mean, you know, uh, and so I, you know, I took ownership of that and, and made some changes for sure. Now, Donald, I actually, I think I first heard of you on a podcast almost two years ago, and mm. this is the first time we've spoken spoken to each other live. I immediately went out, and I, I was so captivated by what you do and your message, which we're going to explore here. I, I went out and bought your books. I've been following your online stuff. I've been a big storytelling geek, like as I'm looking past you over my bookshelf, you know, I've got a dozen books on, you know, monomyth and archetype, even how to write novels and all of that. And I'm just a marketing junkie and trying to, you know, push my own stuff. And so when I came across your work and your focus on using story, you know, the thing that most resonates with humans through, uh, you know, uh, forever to get your message across, to build the brand. I mean, it just really resonated with me. And your brand new book is Building a Story Brand, Clarify Your Message So Customers Will Listen. And if I didn't already talk about the big idea, do a better job of it, though. So what's the big idea of the book? Well, I'll I'll elaborate on what you said. I've got all those books, too. Robert McKee and Blake Snyder. And my favorite, I don't know if you've heard of it, Christopher Booker's book, The Seven Basic Plots. It's my favorite. You're going to love it. You'll thank me later unless you've already read it. I haven't read that. I've heard about The Seven Basic Plots, and I haven't read it yet. Oh, good. It's it's a big old thick 800-pager, but it's a good – it took him 34 years to write that book. How would you like that? A deadline. I wouldn't. <laughs> anyway, you know, and what people don't realize is that stories are actually quite formulaic, that there are basically seven story formulas. A lot of scholars would say that. I would I would agree with them. Uh, seven basic story formulas. And what that means is for 2000 years, really smart people have studied the best practices on captivating a human being's attention. So your brain spends about 30 percent of its time daydreaming unless you're listening to a story. And if you, if, you, if you hear a story, if somebody starts a story in a movie or in a novel or whatever, Garrison Keillor on the radio, your brain stops daydreaming. And it will stop daydreaming until that story is done. There's no other tool that does that. There's no other method that, that captivates a human brain like that. So I got started thinking about you know story from the perspective of writing books and then writing a screenplay. And then as a speaker, I wanted to use this powerful tool to captivate people's attention. It is so formulaic. It is so formulaic that my wife hates going to movies with me because at some point I elbow her and say, that guy's going to die. You know, if you know the formulas, you know what's going to happen. And it doesn't ruin movies for me, actually, because I, I like <laughs> I, I still get lost in them. But these things are formulaic. So, you know, the question I asked at the beginning of StoryBrand, or at least the seed that grew into StoryBrand was, how can I use these formulas to help a marketing filter, to create a marketing filter that will cause people to pay attention to what I'm trying to sell. That ended up being incredibly valuable for my company. We doubled revenue for four consecutive years. And then 
slowly opened it up to other companies. Procter and Gamble was the first company that called us and was interested. And we talked to them and did a few other things. Berkshire Hathaway and Ford Lincoln and all those, those and the White House called under the Obama administration. You know, so it, we knew we were off to the races and it's been kind of shocking, but I wish I could claim myself as some kind of genius. These things have been around for 2000 years, as you know, there's all sorts of interpretations on them. It is definitely an art form. It's like studying chords. You still have to write the song. Right. You can know all about chords, but you still have to write <laughs> the song. And a lot of that is intuition. But there are some really almost mathematical formulas business leaders can use to get customers to pay attention to them. And if they do that, they'll beat the competition. And if they don't do that and the competition does it, the competition will beat them. People don't buy the best products and services. They buy the ones they can understand the fastest. And so tell me about this framework. I mean, you summarize the, the phrase as SB7. And, you know, on a short podcast, we won't be able to go deep into each of these, but walk us through them. The SB7 framework, the story brand framework, is uh, it amounts to the seven things that happen in almost every single story. And those seven things are you have a character with a problem that meets a guide who gives them a plan and calls them to action that either ends in success or failure. Those are the seven things that always happen in stories. And so each of those has a bit of a business paradigm shift to it. The character, we have to define exactly what that character wants. And what that means is, you know, we got to know Jason Bourne wants to know who he is. We got to know it at the very beginning of the movie. And if we don't know that at the beginning of the movie, it doesn't posit a story question and the audience starts to daydream. How that translates to our business is you have to define something that your character, your customer wants. What is it that your customer wants? And you have to talk about that over and over in the same language, making it really crystal clear what it is your company offers. Most companies are too vague. And then uh, a whole other set of problems is companies offer 23 things that a customer wants. But if you have a movie that Jason Bourne wants to know who he is and he wants to lose weight and he wants to run a marathon, and he wants to marry the girl and he's thinking about adopting a cat. You're going to lose the audience. Right. It's too many things that the, the character wants. So um, you have to define something your character wants. And then you, every customer is coming to you because you solve a problem. That's the only reason they're coming to you. And we want to define that problem really clearly. If we don't define that problem clearly, they don't understand why we matter in their lives. And that's a huge principle, right? Then we want to position ourselves as the guide in their life. And the biggest story brand paradigm shift is never play the hero in the story. Always play the guide. And there's two reasons, real quick, you don't want to play the hero. One is the hero is a weak character. They are ill-equipped. They are unwilling to take action. They're not sure they can get the job done. You don't want to position your brand as a hero. You know, the hero's strong in the last three to nine minutes of the movie. That's it. Everything else is... They're iffy. getting their butt kicked for the first two hours. They're <laughs> getting their butt kicked or the story's no good. So, yeah, you don't want to position yourself. You know, position yourself as a hero is saying, hey, I've got a company. I don't know exactly what we're doing. I could use some help. I'm scared to death. Will you do business with me? You know, it's not a very good pitch. There is another character in the story, though, that is extremely strong, and that character is the guide. This is Yoda, Hamish, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Lionel in the King's Speech, the guide. The guide has been there, done that, already conquered the demons in their past, and is here only to help the hero win the day. So you don't want to position yourself as a hero because the hero is weak. And you also don't want to position yourself as a hero because if you're a hero and I'm a hero, we're in different stories. And you, by playing the hero, you remove yourself from your customer's story psychologically. The guide enters into the customer's story, which is exactly what you want to do. So you want to put, position yourself as the guide in the story. It doesn't mean you can't talk about yourself. But you only want to talk about yourself in two ways. One is empathy. I understand my, my customer's pain. You can, you can say that all day long. And you can even say, 
I understand my customer's pain because I used to be in that pain myself. Mm-hmm. That's a wonderful thing to say as a brand or as a leader. What you don't want to do is him and haul about your story and your grandfather started the company and you're trying to improve your great places to work metric and you're trying to double your revenue. That's just you playing the hero. Nobody's interested. Next thing you want to do is demonstrate competency. And that is that you have what it takes to help the hero win the day. So you want to express empathy and demonstrate competency. And if you do that, you'll position yourself as the hero and the guy and uh, the guide in the story. And the reason you want to do that is because the guide is the person that the customer is looking for. They're looking for somebody who understands their pain and can get them out of it. So we want to position ourselves as the guide. Then we want to give the, the customer a plan. And I, I get into this, you know, at length in, in my stuff, but you want to, you want to give them basically three steps to take in order to do business with you or in order to resolve their problem. People are looking for baby steps, step-by-step plans. And you see it actually in movies where Luke Skywalker has to one fly his X-wing fighter up to the Death Star Two, go down into the trenches of the Death Star three, shoot the laser or the photon torpedo through the hole in the Death Star, blow it up. There's a plan. So when you said three, you mean three, you don't mean few, you mean three. No, I mean three. If there are four steps to your plan, you'll have slightly less engagement and five will be an ex- it will be a lot less engagement. So the brain really likes three because two represents binary and three represents eternity or inf- infinity. Mm-hmm. It, the brain, you know, isn't the most rational, amazing thing in the world. I mean, it, actually it is, but right, uh, it's, it likes to simplify yeah. reality. It likes to simplify reality. We have a mantra at StoryBrand, if you confuse, you lose. So a 12-step, 9-step, 4-step, you know, all that kind of stuff plan is probably a little bit too much unless people are going to consider it a lifestyle. But on a website, you really just want three steps. For instance, here's three steps you could put. Most business leaders listening to me right now could use these exact three steps. One, let's have a session where we just listen. We listen to each other. I understand your goals. I want to know what you're dreaming about. What are you trying to accomplish here? Two, I'll give you a custom strategy or report that will help you execute and get what you want. And three, I'll hold your hand and we'll execute this thing together. That's a three-step plan. And that's most what most businesses are doing anyway. Uh, but when you break it down into three steps, the customer actually looks at that and says, well, this is easy. This is not much of a mystery on how this works. And I can take these baby steps. In fact, I don't, I'm not even at risk until we get to the part where I execute, you know, and you just do a lot more business that way. And then you want to call your customer to action. I'm amazed. We, we interact with 3,000 businesses every year. I'm amazed at the percentage of them. It's double-digit percentages that don't call their customers to action. They don't ask for the sale. Mm. There's no buy now button in the top right of their website. That's costing them money. Some of them are being, you know, it's costing some of them millions of dollars because they're just not asking for the sale. Your customer can't read your mind. You need to tell them exactly what you want them to buy and exactly what problem it will solve in their life. And then finally, the sixth and seventh points are success and failure. You have to tell them what their life will look like if they do buy from you. The happy vision, the smiling people, the resolve problems. And you have to tell them what life will look like if they don't buy from you. Uh, They're going to continue struggling with whatever it is they're struggling with. Their health is going to decline. Their competition is going to beat them in the marketplace, on and on and on. Those are the stakes in the story. If you remove the stakes from the story, there is no story. Now, I would actually argue that those seven messaging categories are the only seven messaging categories that you should be using, period. Uh, if If you're talking about anything else in your messaging, you're likely losing sales. 
Now, let me ask, <laughs> I start off by saying we don't have time to go deep on these, but I can't help but go deep on a, on a couple. I've got all these follow-ups. So first, I know you talk about, you know, every story, th- there's a problem, you know, that needs to be solved. We need to think about our customers, our potential customers as having a right. problem. Now, you actually say there's like three levels of a, of a problem. Tell me more about that. Well, there's, in stories, there are three levels of stakes in the game. There's external, internal, and philosophical. External is usually the physical problem that we're trying to resolve. Internal is the way that physical problem is making the hero feel. So, and, and the real story is about the internal problem. It's the fact that King George feels like they chose the wrong person to be king. He's got this external problem of a stutter, but it's causing him to wonder whether or not God has chosen the wrong person to follow, you know, mm-hmm. can he meet up to his father's legacy? That's the story that, you know, if you've never been king, you identify with this story because we've all been there. And the internal problem is what the story is really about. Now, here's the pr- business principle. Companies tend to sell solutions to external problems, but people buy solutions to internal problems. People buy products because it's going to resolve a frustration that they are experiencing, not the physical problem or whatever it is that you resolve. It's the way that physical problem is making them feel. That's what they are looking to resolve. So if we want to make more money, grow our company, expand our brand, we want to start talking about our customers' feelings, their frustrations. Can you can you give me an example, Don, from you know a client or just a made-up example? Sure. Think about any infomercial you've seen. I'll do the most base example. <laughs> you know, it's not just a woman who uh, is using a frying pan and the egg is kind of sticking to the... Watch her face. Watch her reaction. It's as though she's found out there's no meaning in the universe, right? They're, they're trying to personify this frustration that we are experiencing. Let's say, uh, you know, a lawn care company comes to me and says, Mr. Miller, you know, your, your lawn looks terrible. Well, if I'm an engineer at NASA and I don't care whether my lawn looks good, uh, I have no emotional connection, whatever, with a nice lawn, I'm not going to buy from you. The only way I'm going to buy from you is if I'm embarrassed and I don't have time to get to it and I'm frustrated. You see, if there's no internal problem, you can't get the customer to buy anything. So we tend to go out and say, hey, we can sell you, you know, really great product X uh, at half price. And and that's decent. But really, we would have a lot more luck if we said we've got a really great product. And, you know, that frustration that you're currently experiencing because you don't have that, that will end the day you install this product. That's going to sell more products, which means we don't have to lower our prices. There's more of a a lure. We think people are going to do the math if we just tell them about our product. They're going to do the math and figure out the frustration. They're not going to. You have to actually tell them this is what you're experiencing and it will go away if you use our product. So in, in my case, with this podcast, so we talk about leadership, management. A lot of young managers are listening in. And so on a surface level, if I'm saying, hey, come listen to this show because we're going to teach you how to give feedback better or, you know, you don't know how to coach your employees. We're going to teach you how to coach employees. That's a very external kind of thing. What internally they want is pride in being a good boss or to overcome imposter syndrome because they don't think they belong in the office as a boss. It's more that that we need to address, right? That's right. Yeah, it's the feeling that I'm alone in this. Or even the feeling that there's some piece of wisdom that I'm missing out on and I don't know. But I, and also the imposter syndrome. There, there's about 50 directions you can go, but never neglect the internal frustration that your potential customer is experiencing. That's what they're trying to resolve. You mentioned something really interesting. It's another part of the framework. 
and that is the aspirational identity. If you want to be one of the world's leading managers, that's an aspirational identity, then you would listen to this podcast. So, so that's another thing that you can actually offer is an aspirational identity. Uh, I'm circling this. That's gold. Mm-hmm. That is gold. Okay, now I want to challenge you on or, or, or understand better the idea of you don't want to be the hero yourself. And I can't remember who it was, but there was another guest just about a month ago who said that she was giving talks that she thought were going great but was getting sort of a lukewarm response. And she credited you with turning it all around because she stopped making herself the hero and started making them the hero. And I didn't say it to her at the time, but see, here's where I struggle with that. From, from just a position of, you know, professional speaker, writer, person, I often hear the advice, I often give the advice that, you know, everybody for personal branding, you need your zero to hero story. And I will say that the hero end of it gives credibility authority to the audience. The zero or the, you know, the start of the story makes you relatable. You know, oh, this isn't just this person was born with a silver spoon in their mouth. They used to be just like me and I now want to be where they are today. But you're saying, no, 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 you know, don't, don't cast yourself as the hero. So in a company, I totally get that. What about the solopreneurs, the consultants, the author, speaker people, all those people who live in Nashville? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, you're, we're sort of saying the same thing. Really clear. It is okay to share your story. As long as you are saying, I used to deal with the very pain you're dealing with. And now I don't, I resolve that problem. So in a very real sense, that's a zero to hero story. Mm-hmm. You know, in a story, the guide was once the hero in another story. Ah. And so really what you're doing is you're telling your backstory in the context of the hero's story. That's what's actually happening. Uh, that's it. It's right. So you're the guide telling your backstory. Right. You're the guide telling your backstory. What I don't recommend doing is saying, listen, you know, I'm an architect and I really want to build your building. I've built a lot of terrible buildings that have fallen down. I still can't get one right, but I really want to try one with you. Right. Well, that's a zero to zero story. You right. know, the hero. So the hero has to be, you know, in that backstory. What I don't recommend, though, is if you're a speaker coming to the middle of the stage and saying, you know, hi, my name is such and such. And uh, it's great to be with you today. You know, 10 years ago, I was blah, blah, blah. I don't recommend that. I think your personal part of the story is probably only going to be about 30 seconds of the whole talk. What I would recommend doing is not even saying your name. When I give a talk, I walk to the middle of the stage, I go to the microphone and I say, I'm here because we're all probably suffering with the same problem. We're wasting enormous amounts of money on marketing. And I mean enormous amounts of money. You are losing money every day, even sitting here because your marketing is so bad. And I want to talk about why. That's a story because right. everybody there goes, oh, my gosh, I have that problem. Or yeah. if I don't have that problem, I bet I'm about to find out, find out I do have that problem. Oh, it's very emotionally triggering. Yeah, yeah. It was just the way right. you said that. And so, you know, maybe 10 minutes in, I'll tell the airplane story. I mean, you asked me to tell a little bit of a failure story. I told a specific failure story about marketing and messaging. Right. It was strategic. I, you know, I, I, I'm not here talking about my wife or, you know, right. the fact that we're doing fun things or really want to keep it customer centric. Now, what's interesting about that is you can give that talk and people will, will say, boy, I, that guy was amazing. I feel like I know him, you know, and you don't know anything about him. 
You know, he really only told your story and you thought he was talking about himself the whole time, but he was actually only talking about you. That's great. Yeah. You can give an entire talk only talking about you, but there's only two things I I would want you to talk about from a story brand perspective. The pain that you used to experience that your customer is currently experiencing Mm -hmm. and how you got out of it and how life looks now and how they can too. In other words, you're telling an aspirational, even as you said, you're telling an aspirational story uh, about their path that they can follow that you have already taken. So I think, you know, the way that you explain the zero to hero story, that's, a, that's actually exactly what I would recommend saying in a talk. Uh, we're probably just using different semantics. That is the story that the guide tells. The story that the hero tells is wandering and <laughs> right. self and rambling. And, and takes up the whole movie, which you don't want to do. It's, it does. I mean, I, I had to suffer through a day of TED Talks once. A buddy of mine gave a TED, TED Talk and the speakers were coming in later and later. And so I got there an hour and a half before my buddy. And speaker after speaker just got up and did, you know, you got 18 minutes. They would spend seven of those minutes talking about themselves. And what was happening was these people weren't professional speakers. They'd never done it before. They went to the center of that stage and they felt insecure and they had to defend their right to be on that stage. And mm-hmm. I wanted to go shake him and say, if somebody puts you on that stage, you defend nothing. You have the right to be there. Get on with the talk. Yeah, yeah, right. Own it. And, you know, stand in the authority that you were invited, that your life story is beautiful enough you were invited to be there. And yeah. it, just, it just didn't come off right. So I, I have, like, we talk about, <laughs> selfishly, I'm talking about like a single speaker, author guy stuff, but let's zoom it on out. Like when you have a larger company with multiple audience segments. This has yes. to get really hard. And even as I think about lead X and, and some of the training stuff, and maybe you're in the same boat, you know, there's a side that's sort of like business to consumer. So there's individuals that could come and learn stuff. And there's that's one message. But I'm also hoping there's some vice presidents of HR out there who might want the bigger buy, you know, and it's more of an enterprise type type thing. So do you just sort of pick like, well, you know, our number one audience is this audience. So we're going to craft the story to that, that person or that avatar, or do you somehow segment the message in another way? Well, you segment them. And so we would recommend making, you know, you take these seven messaging categories and you create what we call a brand script. And you want to create a brand script for your overall brand, the giant brand, and then a brand script for each division of the company. And maybe a brand script for each product within each division uh, or each segmented audience. So we, we do it all the time. Almost every company has to do it. You know, so right now, just got off the phone uh, yesterday with Mars Pet Care, a global pet care company, about a billion dollar pet care company. They have pedigree and Banfield hospitals and all sorts of stuff for pets. And But the overall brand script is a better world for pets. So everything that they sell fits under the category of a better world for pets. And you, you, it slowly gets more specific as you go down. But most people listening to this podcast will do will just be greatly benefited by just creating a, a, a coherent brand message for their brand. Period. And then you, you almost don't even need to do a, a whole lot more than that. Right. Get those seven messaging categories down and repeat them over and over. So, last question for you. This is great. These you're letting me wander all over the place. I love it. What about the person who's interested in their personal brand, but they're not the solopreneur person? You know, they they work in a big Fortune 500 company. They're a mid-level manager, but they want to climb the corporate ladder. So they're thinking about their brand, their reputation, sure. et cetera. 
How can they take some of this approach or, or even, you know, the SB7 to think about what they're putting out, you know, in their own company environment in terms of their Absolutely. personal brand? Well, I would actually throw away any thought of a personal brand. Mm. And if you're, if you're trying to climb, climb the corporate ladder, what I would do is I would look at the people who are above me, the managers who are above me, the people who really hold the keys to my career. My job is to serve their objective. So I'm looking at my boss, my boss's boss, maybe my boss's boss's boss, and I want to create a little list of the problems they are trying to resolve. What is a win in their life? Not just their business, their life. Do they want more time? Do they want a better marriage? Do they want to meet their metrics in 10 key points? You know, what do they want? Then I would become an expert at resolving their problems. And I, I five years, I think you're running that company. <laughs> I, I, well, I think that's great. And reminder of the audience, I'm looking at the list again, as you're thinking about your boss and boss's boss and one level above that, their problems don't just say, oh, they're trying to increase sales by 2%, which is the external problem. They right. have that emotional problem that they're trying to. So whether it's reduce stress, get, a, you know, feel good about their performance, you got to realize what makes them tick on the inside. Yep. Yeah. And, and you've got to realize they're trying to resolve some sort of internal frustration. And a lot of times, you know, depending on how they're wired, they're trying to look good in front of their boss. And so what I'm trying to do with my boss is make my boss look really good in front of their boss. And I don't need to be very loud about that. I think 90 percent of people are incredibly kind, incredibly generous, and they see you serving them faithfully and they're going to they're going to cut you a break uh, down the road. You know, those are the sorts of people that we're looking for. You know, every time I go into a company, I know what my job is. My job is to make that company a lot of money. That's my job. And to ease their marketing frustrations, their marketing budgets, and help them feel less crazy about trying to get the word out about their great product. Those are my two objectives. It is not about Donald Miller. I'm not right. looking for a standing ovation or a pat on the back. Those are their problems. And you, you get in the business of resolving people, people's external and internal problems. You're going to have job security for a very long time. Great. And on that note, Donald, what's the best way for our listeners to find out more about your work and, of course, your new book? Well, I'd love for everybody to buy the book. It's building a story. It's called Building a Story Brand. You can get it at Amazon or Barnes & Noble, wherever you buy books. And my company is at storybrand.com. And we'll, of course, put the links in the show notes and in the articles. Donald, thanks for coming on to the LeadX show. Kevin, thanks. LeadX family, before I go, I got to give you some straight talk. Now, there's about 10,000 of you listening to this podcast this week, and all 10,000 of you should be members of the online LeadX Academy. That's my company. That's my startup. That is the thing I'm most proud of in my career. These are on-demand video-based courses you can take on your phone, on your iPad, on your computer, watch or listen in your car, on the treadmill. We've got courses on management, leadership, communication, and more. And just diving into it, I, you don't understand how much good stuff is there. We have eight different courses on productivity. For example, one course is how to cure procrastination. You know, how different would your life be if you could eliminate procrastination? I've got a lesson on how severe is your procrastination, another on the four procrastination styles, the nine-step procrastination cure, and even advanced strategies to cure procrastination. Now, let's take a whole different area, personal branding. We've got eight different courses in that content domain. So if you're a consultant, a speaker, a writer, or you want to be one someday, start building your brand now. I've got one course 
on how to write viral articles. You know, people say I am everywhere because of my articles that go out on Forbes and Huffington Post and I mean, literally dozens of places. How to write viral articles. There's a lesson on how to read the mind of your reader. I always read the mind of my reader before I start the article. Same with my books, by the way. How do you write the perfect headline? What is the perfect article structure? What do you need to know about search engine optimization as you write your article? By the way, do you know that I have the most popular article on Forbes of all time? I think it's got about 26 million views. I wrote that article knowing how to read the minds of readers, write the headline, write for SEO. They're not all 26 million views, but that's how I did it. Try the LeadX Academy at leadx.org for free for three days. No risk. If you don't like it, then no harm, no foul. But right now, because we're technically pre-launched, it's at a ridiculously low $7 a month for a subscription. That's for the annual subscription. This is pre-launch special. Does it sound like I'm doing an infomercial? I'm selling you Ginsu knives? Yes, I know, but I need to break through to you. There's 10,000 of you that haven't signed up yet. Now, this price, we are going out of pre-launch. It's going to double in about a month. It's going to double a month after that. And the reason why you want to lock in your annual plan now is you're getting all this new stuff for the same $7. We're launching Microsoft Office Training, a very cool five-factor online personality assessment. And shh, we're going to give you a chat bot powered by IBM Watson. Now, that's not coming until June, but you don't need to wait. It'll be a whole lot more expensive by June. So here's the takeaway. If you want to be a great boss, if you want to stand out and get ahead, visit leadx.org and just check out the free three-day trial. And the final takeaway, leadership is influence. You influence when you take action and when you choose to be a bystander. It's just, which way are you going to be leading? Be mindful, be intentional. How will you lead today?